I've never seen anything like that. You know, being out in Las Vegas when the golf ball was first introduced and we were out there and the media was like in a frenzy. I mean, everybody wanted to talk to all of us and they're asking for interviews and the players were coming off the course and raving about this product and, you know, the guys in the truck were like, what's this new product? And it was so much noise at one event over a golf ball. From Titleist.com and Team Titleist, this is On the Tee. On the Tee. On the Tee. On the Tee box. On the Tee. I'm Rick Veach, and the voice you just heard belongs to Mary Lou Bone, president of Titleist Golf Balls. Mary Lou had a front row seat during one of the most important periods in Titleist history, the launch of the very first Pro V1 golf ball. We spoke with Mary Lou and a few other leaders in the Titleist organization to learn more about the early days of the new millennium when we geared up towards an all-out effort known here as the 100-man march. Let's begin with some background. In the late 1990s, um, we had been testing the veneer concept for some time. That's Bill Morgan, Senior Vice President of Titleist Golf Ball Research and Development. The veneer project that Bill is referring to was the development of a new golf ball cover system, extremely thin, soft and responsive, and yet also durable, that was made possible by a Titleist R&D breakthrough, cast elastomer urethane technology. We originally started down a path of, of a new double covering methodology in the early mid-1990s that we tried on both wound balls and on solid construction balls, but we found that the solid construction balls had a preferred performance. Low spin with the driver and higher spin into the green. We had a, we had a lot of success and strength in the marketplace. We had a whole lot of credibility, but anybody paying attention could see that this thing was moving fast, and it was moving fast towards solid construction golf balls. This is the voice of Dave Marr, Titleist's chief operating officer. Back in 2000, Dave was working in the field as a Titleist sales representative in Northern California. There was a great faith and confidence in our R&D team at the time because we'd heard over the years rumblings of certain projects. We've heard two-piece professional, we've heard three-piece professional, we heard there were a lot of things in the queue. Here's Bill Morgan again. That veneer concept eventually became the Pro V1 golf ball. And as we progressed through the 90s into the late 1990s, it became obvious to us that that particular golf ball was going to be very important. And we began to get our manufacturing process ready for making that type of golf ball. We learned how to make the urethane stick to the Serlin and overcame a number of other difficulties associated with that particular type of manufacturing. We were starting to get the manufacturing process rolling during 2000 and it was in the first half of the year that we really started to have larger numbers of balls available for testing and we began to do some testing with, uh, with players and eventually with some tour players. During the latter part of the summer and into the fall, we embarked on um, something new for us. We called the 100-man march. The 100-man march was what we coined the product validation of the Pro V1 golf ball. The R&D team started to work um, in concert with the leadership team and started to test with with players and and the idea was to touch all of these tour players and walk the golf courses with them in this testing to get product 
feedback and, and validation. A number of us went out to tour events all across the country and even to some tour players' home courses and allowed them to test this new product. We wanted to, to touch a hundred players as quickly as possible and see what kind of reaction we would get. And we were getting very positive responses from the tour players. I went out and helped do the uh, player testing and validation process with the LPGA Tour. And it was a really you know, exciting time to walk with the players and to have them compare the product with either the professional or the tour prestige that they might be playing with and watch them and get their reaction of the performance of Pro V1 versus what they had and there was a lot of competitive players like, oh, what do you got over there? Can we test it too? We'd have some players that would say to us, I can't believe how far this golf ball goes, yet still spins. And other golfers would say to us, I can't believe how much this golf ball spins and yet still goes far. So really, they're both saying the same thing. They, they were exactly correct. They had, for the first time, a golf ball which combined very long distance off the tee, but exceptional short game control. And between comments about how the ball would come straight down and stop on the green, which led to the drop and stop description, to how far they could hit it and how straight they could hit it off the tee, they were all discovering that this new construction, the Pro V1, enabled them to have a very long game off the tee and tremendous control into the green. I think we realized very early on the feedback that was coming back was so effusive and so positive about this performance that we really had to accelerate it. It was kind of all hands on deck. There was uh, a few players in particular that made a lot of a lot of noise related to testing the Pro V1. Um, one player in particular wanted to have the USGA change the issue date of the conforming ball list so the ball would be available to him for the British Open. Of course that didn't happen but it was gratifying that this particular player thought so much of the new product and by the time we got to the Las Vegas tournament um, where it was on the conforming ball list for the first time. We expected to get some players switched right away, but we were surprised even to see how many did. It was an overwhelming success for us. We had 47 players play that ball in the very first week, which is more than all of the other competitive balls combined, and also even more than the Titleist Wound players, where we had 41 Titleist Wound balls in play. That's Jerry Bellis former president of Titleist Golf Balls. At the time that the Pro V1 was being developed, the thought within Titleist leadership was that the Pro V1 would likely be a complementary product on tour. Many players would make the switch, but a substantial number would continue to play with the tried and true wound construction models that they were playing at the time. The Titleist Professional, the Tour Prestige, and the Tour Ballada. So it was a significant conversion out on tour. It was amazing how quickly the players embraced that construction and that golf ball. And then Billy Andre used it to win the event itself and the Pro V1 was off to the races. At the time, the Pro V1, that was just an R&D name. That was just a name that they had referred to as kind of their lab ball. As Dave Marr mentioned earlier, there had been rumblings in the late 1990s of a new two-piece professional or three-piece professional. The professional was the preferred model on tour at the time. Pro V1 was a name applied to early development prototypes because it was a combination of Pro for professional and V for the veneer project that Bill Morgan's team had been working on. 
And what happened is that during this 100-man march, there was so much traction that was being created for this pro-V1, sometimes people just call it V1, but people started referring to that. And it all of a sudden took on a life of its own. And when it came time to say, all right, how should we name this? How should we, you know, what should this microbrand be? It was very, very clear that how could you how could you establish something, anything more powerful and better than Pro V1 because it had just been embraced so, so well? I think it won the next nine out of ten events on tour, uh, setting all sorts of records, and suddenly the Pro V1 had clearly established titles once again as the number one ball in quality and performance for tour players. And the great thing was that Pro V1 also translated into an excellent golf ball for the average golfer. So it quickly became number one out on tour, and as soon as we could make enough to launch the product to marketplace, it became number one in the market. We ended up forward accelerating the launch by three months. We felt we had to respond because there was so much um, you know, demand for this that we couldn't hold back. So we launched in December, instead of our original you know, March timing, and you know, I think because the demand was so great, we've, we were playing catch up for years. I believe it was in March of 2001 that the USA Today actually put the Pro V1 on the front cover, and not the sports section, but the front page itself, and, and deemed it as the golf ball that was turning golf upside down. And, and they put the Titleist Pro V1 large and proud right on that front page. And that's really when, when Pro V1 catapulted to new levels and, and the launch took on a, a whole new speed because it wasn't just the golf trade press or the core golf press that was recognizing Pro V1 as the best ball in the world but mainstream media like USA Today. To be a part of that was you know extraordinary. We've had great golf balls introduced prior to the Pro V1. Nothing had that level of acceptance and buzz. I mean, it was, it was amazing. We hope you enjoyed this episode of On the Tee. Check back soon for our next conversation. On the Tee is a production of Titleist.com and Team Titleist.